Welcome, it's Alex M from Hoops and Hotpot. We decided to record this emergency episode because Russell Westbrook's just been traded to the Houston Rockets. I'm right here sitting in my bedroom, Dang sitting in his office above Brangaroo. We're recording this podcast remotely, so please forgive the audio quality. Remember, you can subscribe to Hoops and Hotpot on Spotify and iTunes now, so just grab your favorite music app and search us up, Hoops and Hotpot. Here we go. Perfect. Hey there, and welcome to an emergency episode of Hoops and Hot Pot, the premier NBA podcast from Cabramatta, Sydney. I'm your host, Alex M, and with me here today is Alex D, and the D stands for Daryl Morey has completely lost his mind. What is going on? Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but I'm recording this pod from my office, so I guess it's pretty nice to be able to feel like an exec talking into a mic from a high up here in the office. Yeah, look, I'm here in my bedroom in my trackies. But look, man, all morning, I've been looking at the details of this Russell Westbrook to Houston Rockets trade. It completely blows my mind. Uh, I'm just going to read to you the details of the trade. The Oklahoma City Thunder have agreed to trade Russell Westbrook to the Houston Rockets for Chris Paul, first round picks in 2024 and 2026, pick swaps in 2021 and 2025. I, I don't know. Is it just me or is this a complete desperation move from Houston? Uh... Well, first of all, I just want to point out that yesterday in our pod, you said, oh, this would never happen. They would never trade Chris Paul for Westbrook straight up. It makes and, some sense. Okay, well, in my opinion, they basically did just trade him straight up, Chris Paul for Westbrook. Well, without rehashing too much of what was said yesterday, I think this takes the Rockets that much further. We've called Westbrook a floor raiser, but I think in this situation, he's not coming in as the number one guy so he's not a floor raiser in this situation what he's doing is extending their ceiling and increasing the quality of point guard play when Harden is not the primary ball handler or when he's sitting on the bench okay I can live with that I think one problem Houston ran into last season uh like you said yesterday was that Harden was often fatigued right he has an incredible yeah. motor but you couldn't ask him to do what he was doing for a whole season and especially not deep in the playoffs uh, they made it to six games against Golden State until we realized James Harden had nothing left. And while I agree Russell Westbrook's energy and motor will go a long way towards extending the effectiveness of Harden on the court, I can see Houston doing really good things uh, with Harden playing more off the ball, conserving his energy a little more, and hopefully be able to translate some of that energy over to defense. But to me, this is obviously an all-in move from Daryl Morey. He's, he's traded four draft assets to make this happen. Flipped a really bad contract for, in my opinion, an even worse one, but at least it gives you a chance to compete right now. Oh my goodness, you're going to do this again. I'm not, look, enough has been said about the contracts. I think this is a complete overpay. But that being said, I think this makes Houston better this season. Beyond that, I'm not sure. What do you think? Well, it's interesting because there there was a point in time not too long ago where it was floating around that Jimmy Butler might go to the Rockets, right? Right. And I think if that move had been made, that would have raised the ceiling of the Rockets even higher than this move because there's significant overlap now. Westbrook can't play off the ball unless he's going to transition his game into more of a slashing type, Dwayne Wade type player. Yeah, like a Dwayne Wade, yeah. He's always been able to post up against smaller guards. So that's one asset that he still has. 
But you definitely can't plop him on the corner and be like, you know, just shoot some corner threes like the rest of the guys because that's just going to completely screw up the spacing on the Rockets floor. But yeah, so the, the logical conclusion would be James Harden would be the off guard. He'll go back to the two guard, which is where he was meant to start in the first place before um, Mike D'Antoni completely revolutionized the idea of what James Harden could be. You know, James Harden is an elite shot maker. Even we've watched him for two, three seasons now, just make nonstop step back threes against contested guys, draw fouls. Now, if Westbrook plays the way he thinks I will, Harden should feast on open threes for the majority of this season. What do you think? I, I like the idea of taking more open threes. I think that'll go a long way towards uh, extending his longevity this season. Obviously, you know, I, I mentioned before, my favorite part of this trade, not that I like it, but my favorite part of it is that it removes some of the burden off Harden because Westbrook is, is a really durable player. He doesn't have the same injury concerns as Chris Paul. He's a couple of years younger. He's got a lot more energy and a lot more hustle. Yeah. I, I think, well, we talk about how Harden has transformed the three-point shot into uh, one of the most groundbreaking moves in the league, right? Obviously, we had it with Steph Curry, who was pulling up from 30 feet, and he was the first player to ever really start doing that. James Harden invented the step-back three, which, you know, against certain defensive lineups, basically means Houston plays 6v5, because you have to guard Harden and you have to guard a step-back as well. I think yeah. if this means that Russell Westbrook is bringing the ball up the court and allowing Harden to get in those high-value situations where... You know, he's, he's got a guy attacking him on a closeout. He's able to do a step back. He's able to bait the three-point foul, which is the most valuable play in the league. I like that idea. My problem with it is I just think by swapping Chris Paul out for Russell Westbrook, you lose a lot in terms of spacing, in terms of ball security, in terms of defense. How do you see this affecting Houston on the other end of the court? Yeah, look, it's no secret that both Harden and Westbrook are not elite defenders in, in, in and of themselves. There was a point where people were trying to gimmick, say, like, oh, Harden actually has really good post defense, but who cares? Like, you don't see anyone posting up from the three-point line. As you said in our pod yesterday, Westbrook has really good individual defense. It's when he's off the ball and he falls asleep and the guy gets a backdoor cut. That's when his flaws start getting exposed. But on the ball, Westbrook is able to hold his own against pretty much every guard, in my opinion. I think what you'll see is increased increased expectations for Clint Capella to be able to hold down the paint when inevitably Harden and Westbrook get beaten off the dribble. I mean, the, the Houston Rockets, they've never based their principles and their profile on beating people by playing elite defense. Their goal is to say, okay, you score, but we're going to score more than you can score. Right. And with Westbrook, I mean, you're adding an extra 25 points. Now, that, those 25 points have to come from somewhere. So I imagine it could mean the three-point shooters shooting, getting the ball less often. I think it has big implications for Eric Gordon. We might see him get really frustrated as the season wanes because just due to lack of touches. Because he used to be the secondary ball handler when James Harden was off and CP3 wasn't necessarily playing. I think we're going to see him get impacted the most out of all the guards. Right, and... I said yesterday that I thought Eric Gordon was the second best player on the Rockets during their playoffs run. I think you especially saw that against the Warriors where they just had no one who could really keep up with him because Clay was busy wrapping up Harden. Curry was busy, you know, Chris Paul. When they were rolling at that three-guard lineup, they, they had no one who could answer Eric Gordon. I really hope that this doesn't mean that his role in the offense is going to be diminished, you know? I think D'Antoni will have some work to do as far as rotations go, but 
I love Eric Gordon where he is on this roster. And I really hope Houston don't get baited into reducing his role. Because to me, uh, in a playoff situation, with the spacing he provides, with the foul drawing he provides, even the passing and the vision, which I think he's, you know, goes underrated for Eric Gordon, I don't want them to lose that because I think that's one of the best weapons they have. Yeah, I think looking at the roster for the Rockets as it currently stands, outside of that starting five lineup, which would most likely be Harden, Westbrook, Clint Capella, Eric Gordon, and PJ Tucker, a lot of these role players are not elite three-point makers. So I think outside of those starting five minutes, you're going to see some struggles and you're going to have to see D'Antoni be a little bit more innovative than all right one guy in the middle everyone else stand on the side yeah like I think there's one thing I'll give Russell Westbrook when it comes to you know playing without much spacing it's that he can generate enough offense in transition and it's not good like the OKC Thunder were, were below league average in transition offense last season but he can yeah. generate enough offense against you know a tired bench unit that he can turn, really, coal into diamonds, you know? He was going out there with lineups like Terrence Ferguson, Jeremy Grant, uh, Steve Adams, and sometimes they play that two-big lineup when they had Nolan's Noel out there with them. And he was able to do it just because he's able to bring the ball up during transition. And the hope for me is that D'Antoni will recognize that. If there's one thing I see Westbrook doing really well in this team, it's running the offense when Harden's off the court, Right. And you can rely on enough Houston defenders because they're a pretty good defensive team with with great players, great talent, that Russell Westbrook can turn that sort of defensive style unit and get enough offense so that you're not completely losing the game when Harden sits. Yeah, and something you said earlier at the start of the podcast was that you talked about the energy and the effort and intensity that Westbrook will bring along and just being able to shoulder some of the burden from James Harden. We're starting to see teams be more concerned around the league about making it through that 82-game schedule. And it's weird because, you know, the game, the amount of games hasn't changed since, well, for as long as we know it. And yet suddenly it's becoming an increasing concern. People are more worried than ever about making it through the regular season without showing up with a hobbled team for the playoffs. Right. And I think it's going to do wonders for the Houston Rockets' chances in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. And load management is the new trend, right? And I, I think I trust Russell Westbrook and James Harden in these situations. They're durable enough. They don't have a massive injury history. I, I trust that they'll be able to make it through to the playoffs at, you know, 80, 90%, which is really the best you can hope for when you're fighting desperately in the Western Conference. Yeah, I think it might be worthwhile after this emergency pod for us to go through some Westbrook and Harden footage from when they did play in OKC. It's easy to talk as if they've never played together, but we know they've played together. So there's some evidence. Now, they've both grown a lot as players since the time, their time together, but at least there's some evidence of what it could look like back then. Well, even back then, I was saying I didn't see the fit with Harden and Westbrook, right? Because I think I recognized early on that Harden was the better player. And I thought, well, surely this Thunder team has no space for Westbrook anymore. And we explained why OKC ultimately decided to stick with Westbrook. But I'm hoping that perceptions have changed enough that Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni, who lead this awesome Rocket squad, aren't going to be tempted by the narratives and, and be seduced by the box scores, but that they'll think hard about how to integrate Westbrook into this offense. And I, look, I have faith that they'll do it. It's a good front office. I don't like the move. I'm probably never going to like the move. It's going to look really bad in two or three years, but this is an all-in move. And if it pays off, I'm willing to eat crow. Well, in two or three years, their window should have evaporated completely by then. So I guess the timeline is okay. It's definitely a better timeline than when Chris Paul was on the team. Let's talk more about the OKC side of it now. 
So in return, they got Chris Paul plus two picks. And two pick swaps. That's four draft assets in total. Yep. So I think what we're going to see is OKC is probably already beginning discussions with other teams for Chris Paul because he's still an elite, valuable point guard. And there's no point wasting the rest of his career in purgatory on OKC while they, I guess, spend the next seven years just enjoying the picks that they've gotten this offseason. What do you think? I completely disagree. And I think the proof is in the pudding, right? Because the Rockets had to attach four draft assets to swap Chris Paul's contract, which is really bad, for Russell Westbrook's contract, which is really bad or, or even worse. To me, this, this tells me that Daryl Morey considers Chris Paul's contract to be worse than Westbrook's. And if he thinks that way, what's to say the rest of the league doesn't think that way? What, what, what possible team wants Chris Paul at this point with the contract that he has? I can see him adding value to a team like the Lakers or, or the Warriors that need extra ball handling or even you know, the Bucks. But the fact remains that no one's going to take him on this contract. No team that needs him is going to trade for him right now. So you think Chris Paul is officially condemned in the eyes of the NBA? I think he's, he's seen his last playoff series. Game six against the Warriors. I think that is the last time he'll get that close to the finals ever. And you hate to see it because he's a talented player. But with this contract, unless they negotiate some ridiculous buyout, the fact remains that he's going to be there leading a ragtag OKC squad uh, hopefully to the lottery so they can get a few extra draft picks. But look, this this might be the end of his career as we know it. Yeah, look, I have to make a snide remark about SGA, Shea just alexander inevitably having to play with Chris Paul on the same team. It looks like he couldn't avoid his destiny after all. <laughs> look, to Chris Paul's credit, he's a, good, he's a high IQ guy. For all intents and purposes, it seems like he's a good leader on the court, even if other players don't like him. I, I do like the idea of SGA playing next to Chris Paul. I think that'll be way better for his development as a point guard than Russell Westbrook was ever going to be. I think we might see more from Steve Adams now that he's got a point guard that's going to feed him the ball a little more. But I just, I just don't like... like I think OKC at the start of the season were 40-1 to 1 to win the championship. They're 500-1 to 1 now. That, that's unreal. Basically, everyone around the league just thinks that the Thunder have no chance. I'm interested to see where you think the Houston Rockets lie in terms of their ranking in the West and their championship odds. Yeah, I, I love the Rockets. You know that. I think Dan Tony has really found something special with the way that Harden is playing. I see them doing better in the regular season. I don't see them struggling like they did at the start of last season when Chris Paul wasn't ready yet and they weren't sure about what their roster was. Harden, by some miraculous stroke, we averaged 40 points for two straight weeks. He dragged them from like the 13th seed all the way up to the 4th seed. I think they'll, they'll think a bit more about load management this season. I see them landing in the, the mid-50s range, maybe like a 54, 53 win season. We don't know what that's going to look like in the West yet. I think they're good for a top four seed, but man, are they going to make it past the second round? I think we saw the best of them already. And enough has been said from, from my side about how I think Westbrook is not a playoffs player. It, we'll see if there's any pattern that emerges in the regular season that makes us think otherwise. Yeah, look, I think the, the Rockets have a clear path to at least the conference finals if they can manage to dodge the Clippers in the second round. If I look at the two best players on both teams, the Clippers will just demolish the Rockets on paper. Yep. And I think where they might catch a lucky break is if they can go up against the Lakers instead. But yeah, it's, as I said yesterday, I think this team needs a lucky break here and there, but they can definitely make it to the finals, in my opinion. Yeah, and... To, to me, this is really interesting because I think the Jazz loaded up, right? And they've been getting spanked by the Rockets these last couple of seasons because they can't handle Harden. They got Mike Conley. They've got some nice role players now. 
it is it is really tragic that at this time when they're poised to take out Houston that Houston upgrade this season with Russell Westbrook. But hey, the Jazz were really good at defending Russ in previous series, so that that's one matchup I would keep my eye out for. So, dang, where do you see OKC going from this point forward? It doesn't seem like anyone thinks they're going to do any damage this season, which I think is a pretty fair assessment. But in in the matter of weeks, Sam Presti's managed to flip his two best players for Shea Gilgis Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, and eleven draft assets. What, what's their pathway to relevance again? Well, the funny thing is they haven't even completed the strip down of the team yet. You still have Stephen Adams, who I believe is still a valuable asset to a team that's looking for a solid, sturdy center. Yep. Um, I've said they could potentially try and get rid of that Chris Paul contract, but I do agree with you. It's definitely not an easy asset to move. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is a desirable piece for other teams that have like a younger timeline. So this process of stripping down the team for parts is still not done. We could see even more draft assets in the coming weeks. But for now, it looks like their future is pretty much just tank and enjoy the benefits of having all these drafts. I think it's a good time. Uh, if you're a long athletic wing who can't shoot, it's a good time to be in the draft. Sam Presti's got 11 draft picks and he's not afraid to use them. Yeah, pretty much. All right, well, I think that about covers it. There's really not much more we can say until we see this Rockets team in action. Uh, I'm glad we had the chance to talk about it this morning. Any other thoughts? No, I just got to go back to pumping out these tax returns. They're not going to lodge themselves, you know. All right, man, go go get that stakeholder value. Good luck. Excellent. All right, cheers. See ya. Peace out.